You're listening to the Central Church Podcast. To learn more about Central Church, including our gathering times, please visit gocentralchurch.org. Today's talk comes from Pastor Josh Ramos. Good morning. It is the day after. The day after Christmas. The day after of eating a lot. How many of you ate a lot yesterday? Yeah. Those single portions is a thing of the past. At least during the holidays, we tend to eat twice or three times. Any witnesses? Okay. Of course, there are, there's a lot of food in many places, a variety of uh, desserts where we then have to make sure that we know how they taste. So you grab one and the other and so forth. Right, Mike? <laughs> So, but we are here, and it is so awesome to see a full house, because (laughs) you all showed up, and that's good. (laughs) Uh, I know that many of you uh, during this Christmas season uh, have received guests in your house, and likewise, you have probably been uh, to visit friends or relatives, And uh, I have a question for you. The question is, which is better, an unexpected surprise visit or an anticipated visit from someone that has told you ahead of time that you're going over to visit? Of course, most people, sane people will say (laughs) that it's always better to know when somebody's going to show up. Now, why is it better to know when somebody's going. Well, uh, it's pretty plain and simple. You want to be ready. You want to have time to dust. You want to have time to sweep, to mop if you have hard surfaces, to vacuum if you have carpeting. Uh, The bathrooms need to be clean and shiny, amen? You also want to make sure you have enough ingredients for the meal that you will be preparing for your visitors. You want to have enough placemats, enough uh, silverware, enough cups, etc. You also want to be sure that everything is in its place. This in itself can be (laughs) the biggest chore of all. And especially for those of you with little ones, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You want your visitors, your guests to come and see your house in order. You want to have your house as presentable as possible. When Jesus came to the earth the first time, which some Bible scholars say that in the Old Testament, it appears it was prophesied almost 100 times that Jesus was going to come, okay? And people were not ready when he came the first time. Jesus came to be conceived in the womb of a young lady. He grew in her womb for nine months. Let's not forget that part. He was alive in her womb. And he was to be born in a manger. We all know what a manger is, or at least we think we do. Okay? It's not pretty. It's not sanitary, it's dirty. And that's where 
Jesus was born. And he, uh, it says that he was born in a manger in the stable because in the book of, uh, in the gospel of Luke chapter two, verse seven, there was no place or room for them in the inn. Even with 100 uh, prophecies saying that he would come, they were not ready. Have you ever been caught not ready? With a visitor that said, you told them, yeah, show up at three o'clock and they show up at two. Amen. <laughs> amen. We got an amen there. Let me tell you this morning, my dear brothers, sisters, and friends, uh, Jesus is coming again. And we should be excited about that. It can be called the second advent. It could be called the second coming. You choose, but no matter how you call it, you can count on it. Jesus is coming again. The big question now is, will we be ready the second time he comes? Amen. Let us read out of uh, Matthew chapter 24, verses 29 through 31. And in respect and reverence to the word, I will ask you kindly to stand up. Matthew 24, verses 29 through 31. And it says, and some of you know me, I love to read the Bible together. So now that we have a big crowd, let's all read together. It says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fail from heaven, fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you because you love the world so much that you gave us Jesus, your only begotten son. We thank you, Jesus, that you came to this earth. You left your throne of glory. You lowered yourself. No one coerced you to do that, to be born as a human being. We thank you, Jesus, because you lived a perfect life. You lived a holy life, and you died on the cross for us. You didn't leave it there. You were buried, and you rose again at the third day. And you didn't leave it there. You send it to be at the right hand of the Father. And you promised us that you would give us the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Holy Spirit. You are our strength. You are our guide, our comfort. And this morning, Holy Spirit, speak to us through your word. May everyone here be touched by the word and about, about this news that you're coming again, Jesus, and that we may all together have that expectation, Lord. Father God, we ask you that uh, you be glorified with everything that is said. We say this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So today, as Pastor Ethan already said, uh, I'm going to be talking about the second coming of Christ. And we have three questions concerning the second coming of Jesus. Number one, why is Jesus coming back? Number two, when is Jesus coming back? And number three, how do we prepare? 
And you're going to excuse me, I'm going to go grab my bottle of water, <laughs> which I meant to bring it with me. Since there is no second uh, service, I could preach as much as I want. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Pastor Mike would love to be here right now. Um, by the way, I want to take a little moment. Um, uh, we are blessed here at Central to have uh, Pastor Ethan and Pastor Mike. Uh, they've been. We all know we've been going through a season of transition, and visitors come and they have no clue, <laughs> okay? Because God has blessed us. Amen. Amen. Now, to preach about the second coming of Christ. Uh, we must understand, and I have a disclaimer before I go on, uh, throughout many centuries, there have been numerous discussions and debates in regard to the second coming of Jesus. And to be honest, there are many schools of thought on the subject of eschatology. What is eschatology? Well, it's a study of what the Bible says of the end times. There are many in this room today that have been in church for many years possibly decades, and you have uh, been in Sunday school or if you've heard sermons about uh, the second coming of Jesus, and some of you might even have uh, theological degrees, okay? So uh, I want you to be aware this morning, I do not intend to cover every single detail about the end times, because we'd be here till late at night, amen? <laughs> there you go, Joey. <laughs> So my objective today is to preach on the general idea that Jesus is coming back and every school of thought agrees that at the end, Jesus is coming back again. Amen? Amen. Okay. He is our Lord and he is our Savior. So why is Jesus coming back again? Uh, in 1984, uh, there was this movie called The Terminator. And most of you remember Arnold Schwarzenegger. He had this very uh, iconic line that he said, I'll be back, in his Austrian uh, accent, of course. I'll be back. Uh, but let's not forget, that's not the first person to make a statement similar to that. In John 14, verses 1 through 3, Jesus said, Let's put it on the screen, please. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. That's his out, be back, right? And will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. If that's not Good reason to know why he's coming back. He said so, okay? <laughs> he said, I will be back. So we've been celebrating during uh, this Christmas season that Jesus came and he was born as a human. He lived a sinless life and he dies on the cross, right? We celebrate an Easter uh, the, uh, on Good Friday that he dies on the cross and then on an Easter or Resurrection Sunday, we celebrate that he raises from the dead. But as I was praying, 
He didn't leave it there. He ascended to be at the right hand of the Father. And uh, that whole idea of him ascending, uh, some people miss out on the beauty of that, okay? He ascended to be at the right hand of the Father for what? To intercede for us. And you might say, what does that mean? I don't have time to explain the whole detail of it. But yes, Romans 8.34, Hebrews 12.2, Colossians 3.1, out of other uh, passages say that he is seated at the right hand of the Father interceding for you. I don't know what that brings to you, but that, that excites me <laughs> to know that Jesus is interceding for us. When Jesus ascended to heaven while the disciples were gazing into the sky, two angels appeared and asked them. It says in Acts 1, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So that's another evidence of saying, yes, he's coming back. Jesus said it. But these two angels also showed up to the disciples, and he, they also told them to the disciples that Jesus was coming back. Brothers and sisters, friends, all believers in Christ must remember that the second coming of Jesus has a quite different purpose than his first coming. It's going to be the most epic, the most astounding, the most dramatic event ever seen by anyone in history. Nothing could compare to the awe-inspiring and one-of-a-kind event, which is the coming of Jesus. Amen? Now, contrary to the first time uh, when he came as a little baby, Jesus will come back with all authority and power to serve as the appointed judge for each and every person who has lived upon the earth. It is true that many people, most people celebrate Christmas. They are fine with the first coming of Jesus. They love the whole baby idea and uh, little baby Jesus. There's even a movie, Talladega Nights, some of you might know. <laughs> Sweet little baby Jesus, right? Uh, they love that idea, but there are a lot of people that don't like the idea that Jesus is coming back, especially those that do not believe, those that have not surrendered their life to Jesus. The whole idea to, of thinking, wait a minute, he's coming again, and he's coming to judge? Well, how can he be so judgy? He is the judge. He has been appointed to be the judge. We were singing a song earlier that says that he's the Lion of Judah, he's the Lamb. I want you to have in your mind that when he came the first time, he was the Lamb of God. He was coming ready to be sacrificed. The second time around, he's coming like a lion. He's coming to roar and he's going to conquer. No doubt about that. Let's go to Mark chapter 13. Verses 26 through 27, where it says, And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. 
And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. Jesus Christ is coming back again for two main reasons. Number one, he's coming to judge the living and the dead. And number two, he's coming to bring about a new creation. No matter which millennial scheme you may adhere to, let's be frank. At the end, we all agree that Jesus is coming back for the new creation of heaven and the new creation of earth. So while many people focus on how is Jesus coming back again, uh, I personally believe it's more important to understand the why Jesus is coming back again. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, it starts off by talking about people scoffing. Peter's saying people are scoffing at the Christian claim that Jesus will return. You, you went ahead of me. <laughs> okay. uh, he's saying that uh, the people of that time were asking, where is your Lord? Where is Jesus? Is Jesus reigning? Why can't we see him? And in a similar fashion today, uh, if we tell people that Jesus is Lord, people tend to say the following, uh, well, it sure doesn't look like it. Uh, after all, there are wars and earthquakes, hurricanes, uh, tornadoes, child abuse, murders, you name it. All those things are happening. And it seems, it seems like our world is falling apart. Some may even ask, if Jesus were truly Lord, why wouldn't he intervene and stop all this madness? But it says in 2 Peter 3, verses 8 through 9, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing what? That any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Amen? So if we read that, we have to understand several things. One, God is not in, on our time, okay? He's not concerned about time. Uh, as a matter of fact, God is not constrained to time. Uh, he is the creator of time. Therefore, he is outside of time. He's in a constant present. Right now, he's here, but he's also back thousands of years, and he's, you know what? In the future also. So for him, he's, he has no worries. He has no concerns. The reason Jesus has not come back yet, my friends, is that he is giving people more time to repent, as we just read. Peter speaks strongly about the wrath of God to come. And many times I have conversations with people and I talk about the wrath of God, and they don't want to hear it. And curiously enough, many Christians don't want to hear about the wrath of God. They like the, God is love. God is grace. God is this. Those are all wonderful attributes of God, but we cannot erase or cancel or forget about the wrath of God. 
In order for justice to take place, for wrongs to be righted, for sin to be punished, and for the world to be renewed, the fiery wrath of God must take place. Amen? Few amens, but it's going to happen anyway. Okay? (laughs) The world will have to be almost destroyed before it can be renewed. I know that here in this room, and maybe you know some people, have dealt with cancer. Cancer is a horrible um, sickness, and uh, depending on how soon they get it, uh, there are many success rates higher than others, depending where it's at. But if you've ever dealt with it or know someone that has, they attack the body with chemo. They attack the body with radiation in a way that it's so harsh for the body, but they are targeting the cancer, and in the meantime, they're messing up the body. And many times there's a success rate where they come on the other side free of it, but the body has been affected. And that's what's going to happen with this earth that we live in. Uh, There are a lot of things that are going to happen. It's almost going to be destroyed before he comes to renew it. For those of us that profess faith in Jesus, uh, we should be at ease because we have believed in Jesus Christ. For believers in Jesus Christ, we understand that we are not in a status of being saved because of anything we could possibly do. Please do not leave this place today thinking that Oh, yeah, I've been to church so long, I've done so many good things, I'm going to heaven. Because it's not by works, so no one can boast. It is by grace, as it says in Ephesians, okay? And we believe by faith, and not even the faith is from us, because it's a gift from God also. We have to be grateful. If you believe in Christ, that came from the Holy Spirit that made you understand that. And we can be confident that we will go to heaven, but not based on our righteousness, but by the righteousness of Jesus Christ on us. Amen? Amen. That sacrifice, that blood redeemed us, redeems us from the punishment of the wrath of God. But those that do not repent, those that do not believe should be nervous, should be concerned, because when Jesus comes, they are not going to be right with God. And this morning, if you are in that situation, this is a great day for you to repent and put your trust in Christ Jesus. Amen? For those of us that profess faith in Jesus, we worship God. The just God, the good creator who made this world, who will restore this world, who will recreate this world. We know that our thirst for justice will only be quenched by an act of God at the end of history. And that is why Jesus is coming back. He's coming back to make all wrongs right. Amen. All tears will go away and we will forget about our past and we will be with our king. So Jesus comes, is coming again to bring new heavens and new earth. And that should make us excited. Number two, 
When is Jesus coming back? Hmm. For centuries, many Bible students and scholars have attempted to calculate, decipher, figure out when Jesus is coming back. And most surely have had the genuine desire to uh, be able to warn non-believers of the imminent coming of Jesus. And therefore, they're trying to do a favor to everyone. However, the fact of the matter is no one has been successful to foretell the second coming of Jesus. The list of those attempting to predict when Jesus is coming back again is very long. And we don't have time to go over every single one of them. So I will just mention a few of them from different, uh, different eras uh, just for reference purposes. Number one, did you know that as early as the year 500 AD, there were already theologians trying to figure it out? On January 1st of the year 1000, Pope Sylvester II is believed to have predicted the second coming of Christ that day. When it didn't happen, then they predicted that it would be on January 1st, the year 1033. That would be exactly a thousand years after the death of Christ. And as we all know, that didn't happen. Okay. On October 19th, 1533, a German monk, a uh, mathematician by the name of Michael Stifel, he calculated that Jesus will return that day, but as we all know, that didn't happen. <laughs> okay. Even the beloved John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, foresaw that Jesus would come again in the year 1836, and we all know that didn't happen. During the 1950s, there was a movement within the Seventh-day Adventist Church that believed that Christ would come around October 1964, and once again, we all know that it didn't happen. In the last 50-plus years, a host of other preachers and theologians have written books and or preached or made movies uh, predicting specific dates or at least years for the second coming of Jesus. And some names like uh, Harold Camping, Jerry Falwell, Ed Dobson, Jack Van Amp, uh, to mention a few, come to mind when we remember their failed predictions. So although they may have the may have had the best intentions, those that have tried to foretell the second coming uh, of Jesus have failed miserably. Hence the reason it's essential to know what the Bible says about when Jesus is coming back. And I invite you to Mark chapter 13, verse 32, where it says, but concerning that day or that hour, no one knows not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Let that sink in for a moment, okay? Concerning that day or the hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. In the next verse it says, Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. So if the angels don't know, 
the son doesn't know, who do we think we are to try to calculate and decipher when is he coming? Doesn't make any sense. Only the father knows when Jesus is coming. And at that moment, uh, Jesus told them it was not them to know the times or the seasons which are the Father's sole authority. Therefore, Jesus may come tomorrow. He may come next month. He may come next year. Or in a hundred years. Who knows? No one but the Father. Okay? There's only one that knows. So, amen. So what does this mean for you and me? We are to always be ready for the second coming of Jesus, no matter what. We are to be ready. We are to be at that expectation because it could be even today. Who knows? God knows. Amen. So going into my third and final point, how do we prepare? Well, first of all, the main thing is to believe in Christ, is to repent of your sin, is to call out the name of Jesus, to give your life, surrender your life to Jesus, to be a Christ follower, to be redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. That's the most important thing. And to understand that if you have not been through that, you're not ready. (laughs) You won't be ready. It is not by our works. It's not by our deeds. There's this natural tendency, this natural logic of me accumulating brownie points to make it to heaven. That's not the way it is. It's what Jesus already did. According to John Piper, one of my favorite uh, preachers and authors, he says, all true Christians should have the following three impulses or drives, if you will, regarding the second coming of Jesus. Number one, we should have a glorious prospect of his second coming. Number two, we must embrace a necessity of suffering. And number three, we are to be found faithful and vigilant in our callings. I'm going to break that up a little bit there, so hang on. (laughs) Okay. Number one, we should have a glorious prospect of his second coming means that we should have a high expectation. If you have little ones, During this season of the year, they have a high expectation, right? What is that high expectation? That on Christmas Day, they're going to get presents, gifts, right? My kids were up at 5.30 in the morning. I wanted to sleep more, but I couldn't. They had a high expectation, okay? So... In our house, uh, the master bedroom or the primary bedroom, that's now the PC way of saying it, (laughs) is at the back of the house, and we have the family room back there, and that's where our tree is. So they're there. They're making noise. They're going, 
and things like that. So we have to wake up, and we come out, and you could see their expectation in their face. They don't know if what they ask for they will get, right? They don't know if something else is going to show up. But they know something's happening. They've been counting the days. And the youngest one has been counting for a while <laughs> when <laughs> Christmas is coming. You know what? We don't know when Jesus is coming back. But we must have a glorious prospect of his second coming. It's something that we should be talking all the time, that Jesus is coming again. It's sad to see that sometimes we think that we're going to be here forever. I don't want to be here. <laughs> yeah. I want him to come back and then fix this thing. Okay. Now, number two, we, I'm um, sorry, I, I jumped. I want to read out of 1 John Chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, it says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Amen? Moving to the second point that... Uh, uh, John Piper talks about, uh, we must embrace a necessity of suffering. How many of you enjoy suffering? As a matter of fact, we try to avoid suffering as much as we can. We don't like suffering. But in Acts chapter 14, verse 21, it says, When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. <laughs> and the amens are no <laughs> non-existent. Brothers and sisters, if you read chapter 14 and go back a little few verses, which um, I don't have it in the screen, but this morning I found it necessary for us to go back there. If you have your Bibles in Acts chapter 14, if we go to verse 19, it says, But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul. That that... Sink in there, okay? They stoned Paul for doing what? For preaching, but also he had prayed for a dude that stood up and was walking, <laughs> okay? And it says there, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. So besides stoning him, they drag him out. That's not fun. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derby. The next day. After being stoned, after being dragged out, let's go to Derby, man. <laughs> <laughs> and if you thought he would have learned his lesson, let me just stay shut. They'll, they'll leave me alone. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium, and to Antioch. What did they come to do? They came to strengthen the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of 
God. Folks, if we were to open up this here platform for people to say some testimonies, right? Uh, I was born uh, son of a pastor, and back in the day, that was something that was pretty d much done. Uh, who has a word of testimony? And they'd come, and some would be brief, and some would go on and on and on and on, right? But uh, a word of testimony... We've all had our share of bad times here on earth, okay? If I were to ask here, how many of you have got, gotten COVID? Several of you are going to go, yeah, I got a COVID. And some of you might be dealing with other things. Some of you might be dealing with hardships. You might be dealing with uh, broken hearts, okay? While we are here on earth, we are called to serve God by serving others, to preach the gospel, to share our faith in Good times and in bad times. If they stone you and they drag you out, you keep on going to the next city. That's the example we have. So we must embrace that necessity of suffering because as it says at the end of that verse, and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And I want to break that a little bit more. We must be spiritually alert to satanic deception and false teaching. It's out there. It's rampant. The only way we could detect that is abiding, remaining in the vine, connected to Jesus and through the Holy Spirit. Another thing, we must be completely submitted to the word of God rather than being lawless or self-willed. The only way we could submit to the word of God is studying the word of God. It is awesome to read a few verses in the morning. For those of you that do that, that's cool, but we need to dig deep into the word of God. We need to understand it. We need to learn from it. We must cultivate a strong faith in the sovereign goodness of God to be able to endure to the end. It's not going to get easier, folks, so therefore we need to abide in him. Interestingly, we live in a time where people have developed developed sophisticated ways to deny the existence of any divine law or standard. They have found a way of creating their own truth. Have you heard that? Oh, that's not my truth. I have my truth. You have your truth. There's only one truth. Okay? And they have this whole idea of their own identity. For example, nowadays, if you were created a man and today you simply want to be a woman... In our society today, the law of God or nature or even culture cannot hinder you from doing that. Today I identify as a lady. Brothers and sisters, you know what Jesus called that? He called it lawlessness. Lawlessness. They think they could just go about their lives live and do whatever they want. But oh, 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 how wrong are they? Amen. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, we are called to be ready. We are to be found awake when he comes. And what does this mean? It means to be found doing our jobs and doing it well. You can do your jobs halfway, but we are called to do it well. 
for Christ's sake and for his kingdom. We are to respond quickly to the knock at the door. True believers are spiritually and morally awake. If we go and read out of uh, Luke chapter 12, verses 35 through 37 and verse 40, it says, Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. And the next verse there, verse 40 says, You also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. During this first advent, Christ humbled himself. During the first coming of Jesus, he humbled himself to be born as a human, and he died a humiliating death. Let us not forget he died a criminal's death for just doing good. He was the perfect sacrifice. He was the Lamb of God, and he died for the sins of this world. But his second advent, Christ, in his second advent, Christ will come with power. He will be as the conquering king, the lion of Judah. Amen. And when that happens, brothers and sisters, it will be like Jesus himself predicted in Matthew 25 and also the Apostle John in the book of Revelation 20, uh, chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. The final judgment will come. People don't like judgment <laughs> unless you know you are on the right side of that, right? We live in a time where who are you to judge me? <laughs> but people like to judge, but they don't like to be judged. When the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords returns to this earth, what is written in the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 45, verse 23, will then become true when it says, Every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall swear allegiance. The Apostle Paul, in two of his uh, epistles, he refers to that. He says, every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. If you have given your life to Christ by repenting of your sin and believing in Jesus. And if you've heard me several times, I mention repentance because that word is not being used nowadays. Repentance is part of that equation. If you have given your life to Christ and repented of your sins and are believing in Jesus and you are living a life that brings honor to God and his kingdom, you can rest assured that you will be with those joining our Lord and Savior be it that you die before he comes or if you are alive when he arrives. Amen? Amen? On the other hand, if you are here or you are watching online and you have not surrendered your life to Christ by repenting of your sins and believing in Jesus, calling out his name, your end will certainly be really bad. Doesn't sound good, but I must be. In love, the person to tell you, we all need Jesus. 
We cannot do anything without Jesus. But with Jesus, we are more than conquerors. Amen? If we have heard and responded to the gospel, then we must live each day in light of its truth, shining the light of Christ into a dark world. Don't forget that we were called by Jesus the light of the world and the salt, right, of this earth. We have a job to do, and unfortunately, we don't do it too well. Those who have not responded to the gospel are exhorted to respond today and not harden their hearts. Let me tell you, it's appointed for each of us to die once and then face judgment, as it says in Hebrews 9, 27. And I want to end with a story. There's a story told of a barnyard where there was a hen with several little chickens. And one night a lamp in the barn fell to the ground and lit the hay on fire. As the fire raged throughout the barn, all the animals were killed. The next morning, as the farmers were going through uh, the rubble, they found the crusty uh, shell of a hen. And when they opened up, they pulled it up, they saw all her baby chicks under her wings. She had shielded them from the fire and had given her own life in the process to save her baby chicks. When the day of wrath comes, and yes, it will come, let's make sure we are found under the wings of Jesus. Let his goodness cover our badness. Let his death on the cross be in place of our death. Let his resurrection life be our promise of eternal life. Let his wings shield us from the wrath to come. When that day comes, we won't have to wait any longer. We will be citizens of the new heavens and the new earth, the place in which justice dwells. To end with uh, the same thought I started <laughs> at the beginning, it is always better to know when guests are coming. It's never fun when people show up unannounced. With that said, may we all remember that Jesus has announced that he's coming again. So let's be found eagerly awaiting his arrival. If anyone here or online, if you have decided this morning the Holy Spirit has convicted you and you have decided to follow Jesus, you can go to the Next Steps room out there uh, in the lobby on your way out and someone will be there to talk with you and pray with you. You can also send a text message to 407-338-4024. I'll repeat it for those of you that might not know it, 407 407- 338-4024. With your name, you could, put, uh, you could put the message and say, I want to follow Jesus or follow Jesus. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that Jesus came the first time. We thank you that he came as a lamb. He came to give his life. No one coerced him. He did it freely. We thank you, Jesus, that you gave your life and you died on the cross. You did not give up. You came with a mission and you fulfilled that mission. You were buried and you rose again and you ascended to be at the right hand of the Father.
We thank you that you promised us the Holy Spirit, and we pray to you, Holy Spirit, this morning. May you comfort those that are here with pain, with suffering, for those that are ill. Holy Spirit, you can say the word and they are healed. If there's anyone here that does not know God, does not know Jesus, Holy Spirit, tug in their hearts in such a way that they could not leave this place without surrendering their lives to you. And we thank you, Jesus, because you promised that you were coming again, and we are expecting that day. Whenever that day comes, we want to be ready. Help us to be ready, Lord. And we say all this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the Central Church Podcast. For more information on how to take your next step, visit us online at gocentralchurch.org.